This is Album Worms. It's like a book club, but for albums. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And on this episode, we will be discussing Whitney's album, Spark. Let's get started. Welcome to Album Worms. Welcome to another episode of Album Worms. Please take a moment and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast and follow us on Instagram at Album Worms. Chris. Hello, Sean. Once again, it's been, a, it's been a little too long, but glad we're back together talking about another record. Yeah, um, I think with everything that got a new computer and everything, so now I'm thinking I'm not going to have to worry about things not working. Yeah, Stuart blew it again, just yeah. one thing after another. But we don't pay him, so yeah. it's all good. Can't get too mad at him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, actually, that's something I wanted to talk to you about. So our fictional intern, Stuart, I was wondering, Chris, do you think Stuart will grow in age as this show goes on like do you think he'll uh, one day right now he's an intern do you think he, he might be a producer at some point or do you think he's more like bart simpson where he'll always be in third grade hmm i you know i like to think he'll get you know mature into you know <laughs> other roles throughout this journey you know Okay. You know, I, he'll I, he'll evolve with us. Yeah, yeah, he'll <laughs> evolve with us as we evolve. He'll evolve. Uh, good times. All right, Stuart. So you have a future to look forward to. You won't be stuck in an intern forever. Well, I mean, it really depends on how well he performs. That is true, and with all of his tech issues and whatnot, probably is going to be a while, but. Nonetheless, you're you're doing good work still, Stuart, so keep it up. Yes. <laughs> well, I am excited to talk about this album. It's actually we've been at least I have been wanting to talk about this album yeah. since last year. Yeah. And we're just getting around to it. So which is actually kind of correlates to so I really wanted to get this record on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And I like to support local record stores. So I went to our local Costa Mesa Porta Sound record store because they usually get the new records in. And went on release day. Didn't have it yet. No, I could, well, we'll have it soon. So I, I'm like, all right, no worries. Came back the other day. Didn't have it. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or it was like the next week. I, I think it was after my son's soccer game was on Saturday. So I would go like every Saturday. It was close by. And after the third time, the guy was like, hey, we post like on Instagram what records have come in for the week. If you follow us there, I'm like, okay. So I was like, I remember the one day I was like, they got it. <laughs> <laughs> Went down. <laughs> Uh, and finally got it, which is cool. Uh, it's a uh, cool. I, I'm a sucker for a color vinyl, so oh yeah, me too. Uh, I like to support the record stores and the artists, and I get a cool looking record in in exchange. So yeah, that was my my fun little side quest. <laughs> hey, 
I love that. I love hunting down records. It's fun. Dude, I'm I'm getting deep in the creep with some of this stuff, but that might be another episode. Yeah, let's save that for another episode. Yeah. Well, on this episode, we are going to be discussing Whitney's album, Spark. And let us hit us off with a little sample of the song. All right, Stuart. So if you could cue up back then for us, just a little sample for us to get us in the mood and we will proceed. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Stuart. All right. Well, let's start off with some album details here. This album was released on September 16th, 2022. It has a run time of 38 minutes and 18 seconds. It's Whitney's third album of originals. They do have another LP that came out in 2020 of all covers called Candid. So depending on the way you look at it, they have four records, or if you're really into only the original content, then this is their third full length. The band's a rep made up of two best buds, Max and Julian. Uh, I will probably skip on pronouncing, trying to pronounce their last names. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would feel really bad I think uh, Ju- Julian is Ehrlich, I believe, Ehrlich. but Max is, I, I I can't even start on his last name. But yeah, Max and Julian. <laughs> Kakasek? Kak- yep. Kak- Kakasek? I'm probably way yeah. wrong. I apologize. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of uh, room of growth in pronouncing people's names correctly or pronouncing words correctly which is kind of funny that we are doing a podcast but nonetheless so whitney is from and they're originally from chicago they did move to portland to record this record but i'll talk a little bit about that later they formed in 2015 and have signed to secretly canadian record label which is what this album was released on a little Interesting fact, this is getting close to nerdy tidbits, but put in the album details. This record was written during the pandemic. So they actually have moved to Portland right before the lockdown happened. Lockdown happened, and over the course of 14 months, the duo, Max and Julian, kind of experimented with different sounds and reflections and this is what we ultimately got after that period. Let's go to some nerdy tidbits. Nerd! <laughs> never gets old. Nope, never. <laughs> All right. So actually, this this was actually a, a fun little nerdy tidbit. Not necessarily specific to this album, but the album forever turned around which is one of whitney's records that they have released came out august 30th 2019 and to celebrate 
Chicago's mayor, Lori Lightfoot, which is an amazing name. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> announced that August 30th would be Whitney Day. That's cool. Which, yeah, that's, uh, feel like pretty big time for uh, a band like Whitney, which, I mean, they've had some popularity and you maybe would expect that from a smaller town easily done, but Chicago's a pretty big city. So good on you to, to get some uh, bureaucrats to recognize your work. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I learned nerdy tidbit that I thought was funny when I was reading about the record was blue. That's on blue which is, I believe, the third track on the record. They originally were, when they started writing the song, they thought it was going to be a Christmas song. Really? <laughs> but I guess apparently this is something that they do. They think of different versions of their songs to be Christmas songs as kind of like at a joke. So like they said in an interview instead of no woman which i think is probably their that's off of their first record probably their most popular song that they're known for they can change to no presence <laughs> <laughs> and then the song no matter where it goes they can also change that song to no matter where it snows huh that's cool <laughs> <laughs> kind of silly yeah i mean hey I like that. That's a nerdy tidbit. What can you say? Yeah, super nerdy. So switching complete modes here. So that was kind of silly. This is one's a little somber. So the song Terminal is about some family members that have passed. I think one of, uh, I think of Max's family members di actually died of COVID-19. I think his grandpa and also it was written by about Chet J.R. from J.R. White of Girls, the band, had recently passed away. So those that are familiar with that band and that tragedy that occurred that hit Max and Julian close and that song is slightly about J.R. and other family members that have deceased that's hmm. uh i feel like a, a lot of these records that came out during or were written during covid kind of have issues like that like a lot of people wrote about loss and right you know it's kind of a interesting time to reflect because you know especially as a musician i mean it was almost a year before if not over a year before these artists could do anything really yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to have gone through that. And for all intensive purposes, I think we're kind of, we're a different society, but we are as much as back to normal as we have been, but we're still getting the art now that was created that, and during some of those times and how it's still kind of impacting us and what we're experiencing mm -hmm. so yeah. certainly interesting how art can reflect that both in the future and in the past yeah and then so i think my last little note here 
was so spark the album has many references throughout the lyrics about smoke or fire and in general i think what they were trying to get to is this was happening when there was a lot of fires happening as well in the 2020 timeline especially in portland california i know you're in colorado but i don't know if you remember some seeing this some of this in the news chris oh yeah definitely but there's part of that is the fires can also like spark some of the seeds and trees that and kind of causes more growth over time so in some ways like the fire is healthy and sparks something anew so i think that was kind of like the concept that they were riding with across the record because throughout a lot of songs whether it was relationships or uh, family members or people close to them dying and but there's still this kind of spark and hope throughout the record too which is interesting and then specifically the portland fire they talk about i believe it's on let me see here yeah on the song back then it says while the world was burning real life was caving in so that's specifically speaking of that fire mm-hmm. that's crazy directly yeah not even metaphorically <laughs> yeah like it's here yeah yeah so those are my my nerdy tidbits nice those are very very nerdy all right let's go to our next segment and that segment is you are my inspiration inspiration. Mm. i heard so one of my buddies was is friends with a record store clerk i guess his thing is we've talked we talked about a, a chicago record previous on this podcast but we on that episode, we talked about Chicago has so many albums. It's like 30, 40, 50. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And they produced a lot of those records. So every time this record store clerk like posts that he has new records, he says he likes to like mess with him and always ask, but is there any Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> because it's guaranteed they had so many records all right but so in this segment we're just talking about some of the bands and artists you feel influenced this record so uh, i'll kick us off here so i actually read in uh interviews and stuff about this and it makes sense to me i wouldn't if i just listened to the record i might not have picked this up but they were listening to a lot of early 2000s pop radio while they made this record. <laughs> okay. And specifically called out Gwen Stefani, Outkast, and Usher. And I guess they also said they were watching a bunch of Justin Bieber and Drake music videos. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so I wouldn't necessarily, I think maybe few elements, but. After hearing this, this is a pop record. These songs oh, yeah. pop. And, and the the structure of the songs are very much like the early 2000s pop radio has got just a perfect building uh, and into 
the choruses and just simple song structures that are tried and true, utilizing some interesting kind of electronic yeah. music uh, or like elements or synth work, which I think all those artists that I just mentioned did. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the one that kind of came to my mind a little bit on the songs that had more of an like electronic feel. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman's name, the musician Bonavir. Right. What's Justin Vernon. Thank you. It kind of reminded me of his electronic stuff. Right. Yeah. You know? And then I also kind of thought a specific album from the band real estate mm. Atlas. I don't know if you've ever heard that record. Yeah, but definitely poppy and kind of that rock feel. So those were kind of the two that I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So on the band's first two records, there was a lot of comparison between like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and also the band. Okay. The band is also one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. Probably my favorite classic rock band. So. And I think some of the harmonies and I think the band also, there's a good tie over with that because the lead singer in Whitney is also the drummer, which there's many singers in the band, but Levon Helm was maybe their more notable singer who was the drummer. So I think there was probably a lot of, being a drummer, singer, but I would think that would be the, the one person that you would study the most. Yeah, definitely. So I, th- I still think some of those influences are still there, but certainly has progressed. Some of the things that there's one, there's a couple songs that reminded me of Dirty Projectors, mm-hmm. especially the song Nothing Remains. Some of the dissonance in the, it's like the, bending of the kind of notes on the guitar reminded me of the song stillness is the move. Okay. And yeah, maybe we'll see if Stuart is how lazy Stuart or how much he wants to do this, but maybe he can throw in a clip for us of stillness in the moves for us here to compare. and not this on blue. Yeah, well, I don't know if you did it or not, Stuart, but thanks. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully you did. <laughs> so the other one that I think is really interesting and want to get your thoughts on, but I think so I was when I was listening to this record and how they were kind of influenced by the band and Crosby Souls and Nash or more just like rock music if you will and then kind of transitioned to influence a little bit more electronic sounding elements it cr- kind of reminded me of Third Eye Blind and how they had their first record and then they came out with a record called Blue that had some more electronic 
moments to it and the song never let you go really kind of reminded me of kind of that transition uh, of this record Mm -hmm. so that one i don't know if it actually did or not but i could see that being a an interesting song for them to to listen to in regards to influencing this record yeah that'd be kind of cool i know i didn't i wish i kind of would have gone that route with it you know it's it's really just got that more pop rock yeah and and i think one of the earlier rock bands that were starting to experiment a little bit more i think third eye blind kind of fell off the map after after that yeah record but that song in particular i think and maybe it's stewart can throw that in for a comparison for us too Yeah, that yeah, that one's a interesting one to compare with. Yeah, I, I think there's some inspiration potentially pulled there. Oh, definitely. And lastly, so I the composition work there. There's a few songs that had different compositions. So I feel like Twirl, Terminal, and Counting Lines were a little bit more like their ballads versus uh, a pop song, which I think is also pretty common for those pop records to have a few ballads mixed in. Yeah. I think bands, even back to like Fleetwood Mac, did stuff like that where they had super poppy, but they would have one or two ballads on every record. But the composition on Counting Lines reminded me a bit of Sufjan Stevens too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I, that didn't even cross my mind, but now that I'm thinking of it, yeah, I love that comparison. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like also, like, I think you mentioned Justin Vernon, mm-hmm. and I think Sufjan Stevens, both of those are so influential to this type of music that anytime you hear it, you think like anytime I hear like a composition with like horns and strings in a indie folk type record, mm-hmm. I'm like, I think, oh yeah, this kind of sounds like Sufjan. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that like like you said that sound very yeah. much so. Yeah, I think. Didn't we talk about the like? I think the guy that did Sufjan, the horn arrangements, also did Bonavier. So there's, I think so, yeah. I want to say it was like Moose or something like that, as far as the person that did the stream work. But another reason why it all kind of ties in together. Yeah, all sounds very similar. All right. Well, should we go to our next segment? Let's do it. Our next segment is. That's my jam. I like that. I'm going to steal it. That's mine now. Never gets old. What never gets old is... You just got jammed. Jeremy Jam. Guys, brilliant. Love to hate him. Yeah. Definitely (laughs) love to hate him. 
uh, for those that don't watch Parks and Rec, you should definitely go do it. But that episode where he's like pulling out his hair because <laughs> it's just like and the laugh he goes into the laugh cry. I'm like, this guy is brilliant, so yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. In this segment, that's my jam. We're just talking about what's your favorite part of the record? Song, title, lyric, riff, anything, whatever, anything uh, we want to talk about. So what were some of your favorite moments, Chris? Um, I really liked the song back then. Yeah. Really good lyrics, you know. Just the song always, kind of just the sound of the song would put me in a, put me in a good mood. I just found myself playing it a lot because I just... I felt happy when I was listening to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this whole record to to that point is such a mood booster for me personally. Like, if yeah. I, I'm just feeling down, I like to put on this record. If I need some, like, I feel like I need to be a little bit more productive, just need something a little bit more up-tempo, like, I would go to this record a lot. And so, overall, I just love so many songs on this record and just the the general feel and the evolution of the band I think has been nice. Yeah. I would have personally loved if they just continued on doing what they were what they were doing, but the fact that they have introduced some new elements electronic and maybe that's due to recording this in the pandemic and not having access to some of their other bandmates that they normally would. Yeah where they created things a little bit more electronically. I think they did a good job of introducing those new elements, but still sounding like a Whitney record. Yeah. That's kind of, at first, when I first listened to this record, I was just kind of like, Oh, Whoa, what is this? I don't know. How right. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Cause you know, you listen to the other records and it's completely different, but as you go along, you kind of still realize they hold on to what, they used to do but just kind of progressed you know as circumstances like you said happened and just kind of went from there and realizing it was just the two of them pretty wonderful record the more i listen to it the more i enjoy it yeah yeah but so if i had to choose though like what's my jam on this record real love mm-hmm yeah. was by far my jam. Like I have repeated that song so much and just the way the song builds kind of like this almost like heartbeat bass thumping. And then it has a building atmosphere that the building blocks like come in uh, as they go through this, the intro of the song. Mm-hmm. And then the beat rests in those songs and how some in certain sections they have like an acapella jump back into the song. I just think I, the whole song structure worked so flawlessly that I really just couldn't get enough of it. And reading a little bit about it too, so they wrote this song. I think towards the end part of their recording process or writing process. And it was when society was opening up again, but there was still a lot of social anxiety just through being through that process. But I think just anxiety in general. So I think that just like represents 
the record as a whole too, because there's this, there's certainly some somber lyrics and some hard themes that, that they have uh, been through or just processed, but there's always this kind of this spark and hope and the music in general is so poppy and fun to listen to that it's a, ends up being a celebration at the end of the day. Yeah, I I would agree. It's wonderful. I, I, I really like this record. Like I said at first, I didn't know how he felt, but it was kind of difficult for me to pick one song, you know, because everyone is so different and it's just uplifting. It's a really good record to just kind of put in and uplift yourself. Mm-hmm. A few of the songs that they went through long-term breakups and they wrote like the breakup songs, but I think from those breakups then they found someone else that they were potentially meant to be with Mm -hmm. or at least currently. So it's just some of those going back to that, that theme of spark being even through a fire, there's this new thing that can evolve from that. So I, th- I like that. I, as you know, I'm not a lyrics person. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like another melody to me for the most part. So you can mm-hmm. really, in a lot of cases, you can sing a lot about anything. It's not going to really impact my opinion too much. <laughs> uh, but it is like always an added bonus, I feel, more than it is something I live or die by if the lyrics are kind of interesting. So there's a few that really kind of sparked my interest, pun intended. (laughs) So I kind of was reading through, but one in particular that actually was kind of for a funny reason, Chris. So the song never crossed my mind when I first heard that song. Well, first, like there's like this, I was listening to it in my car and there's like this, train almost like effect and it like kept tripping me i'm like where's the freaking train (laughs) (laughs) there's no train around here (laughs) but the other thing that was kind of funny so when i first hear and this is like a nod to how i'm not good with lyrics but i thought one of the lyrics said monkey in the middle (laughs) (laughs) and i was like hey that's actually kind of a funny lyric Uh, i and it made me think back of like, I got to listen to this better or like read these lyrics or figure out why they're saying monkey in the middle. But that turns out they they do not say monkey in the middle at all. (laughs) And I just had to listen to it so many times, but it's, they're saying looking in the mirror, not monkey in the middle. So, I mean, yeah, I could see where you, you know, monkey in the middle. (laughs) Now I'm going to listen. It would work, though. You, yeah. you can totally listen to that song. Like Maybe, Stuart, we could throw that clip in here. Obviously, if you know what it is, it sounds like I can... I do, for the most part, it's like only when I'm distracted by something else that I hear it that way now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for for those that maybe want to steal that idea, go for it. Because I, I think Monkey in the Middle could be an interesting lyric. I think so. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that's what I got for that. Anything else you want to add, Chris? No. Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. All right. Next segment is skip repeat. Is it a banger? <laughs> you have to another Parks and Rec. I, I you, you can tell I'm a Parks and Rec fan here. So, but what do you think? Why don't Why don't you go? All right. So obviously my repeat is real love. <laughs> that was mine too. That's my that's my banner. My go to. Seen you dive play that theme on repeat. But the my skip is a little bit more interesting. I kind of had like two different thought processes. So when I was listening to this record initially when it came out, what I found myself doing is I would listen through the half of the record until I got to terminal. And because of the downshift in momentum and kind of more somber song, I found myself wanting to jump back to the beginning of the record because I wanted that uplift and the, the like the good times <laughs> again, uh, and ultimately to get back to real love faster. <laughs> so sometimes I would kind of skip that song just to go back to the, the beginning of the record. But more recently, I found myself skipping Twirl. It's one. It's the longest song on the record at four minutes and thirty two seconds. And most of the other songs are much tighter, around two thirty three minute mark. Typical pop radio friendly songs, and it's a song right before Real Love. <laughs> so by the time you get towards the end of Twirl. And it's not, I would skip over the entire theme, but I was like, all right, let's just get the real love here. Yeah. <laughs> and move on. Uh, I, I put twirl as my, my skip for the, basically the same reason. It's a little kind of slow. The intro seems yeah. to kind of go on a little too long for my attention span. Not saying it's a horrible song. I just kind of felt myself skipping. Maybe not through the whole song, but at the end, kind of just, okay, I'm going to change this. I want to listen to the the other song, you know? Yeah. I want to I wanna listen to Real Love. Yeah, I heard when they first wrote Twirl, it sounded more like a 70s folk song. And then their, one of their producers was, said, let me mess around with it, took the whole song down an octave. Huh. And it just kind of altered the song. And I guess that's what kind of helped shape it to what it is today. But in some okay. ways, I was like, I kind of want to hear what that sounded like as the original version. Yeah, the octave higher. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But, and also, like, it made me think was the sequencing of the record with this twirl would have, would that have made more sense towards the end of the record? Because I would have maybe put heart will be in place of twirl. Okay. And then, and maybe counting lines in place of terminal. Like, I feel like terminal should be the the end of the record in some ways. I can see that. But I, I can understand story-wise or, like, what they were going-wise. Like, you wouldn't want to end on terminal. It's kind of a depressing way to end. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun to think about what different alternatives would be yeah definitely that'd be kind of cool all right well 
our last segment is trivia night. Before we begin, I'd like to ask our contestants, please refrain from using ethnic slurs. Definitely. It's always uh, some type of national holiday that you wait on me. We're honoring some some type of other uh, religion or uh, ethnicity. So yeah, make sure make sure no slurs in this in this segment. Always a good reminder. Yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, well, in this segment, we are going to be talking about what other bands can you think of that have a drummer on lead vocals and i don't think we we don't have to do this like formally we could go back and forth or we can just go through our list i i can't think of like that many also i would say i want to make this clear there are a lot of drummers that do backup vocals that's not what we're talking about i'm talking about drummers that do lead vocals much smaller list (laughs) but Certainly something that we, I think is interesting about this band and it's something else to think about when you're thinking about Whitney and them going out to perform these songs live is Max is playing drums and singing, which is a lot harder than you, you might think, especially like the getting the breathing to and like your breast to work with the drum beats is that's not an easy task no not at all i can only imagine you know not only are you playing drums but having to sustain your singing while drumming i always used to growing up uh i'll go ahead and say it uh the singer of atreyu you remember Mm -hmm. that band back in the day yeah yeah and he would sing and I always was just like, wow, you know, it's, it's, you don't see that often. I mean, one guy that I just recently was watching, Anderson Pock, he drums and sings and drums and raps. Right. Like, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, both of those I didn't have on my list, but certainly those are uh, lead singer drummers. Yeah. And then um, the other one I got is another heavy band. And I, his name's Bran Daler. Daler. Um, he's the drummer singer of Mastodon. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is kind of like a heavy metal band. It's kind of cool to see these guys doing that and playing that, the drum kit while trying to sing or scream or whatever they're doing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, didn't the drummer of Under Oath yeah, scene yeah. too? Yep, yep. That was another one. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of... I was talking to someone about this, and they mentioned... Um, why am I blanking? The drummer of the Eagles. Yep, Don, Don Henley, Henley. Probably the most famous. Yeah. For... Eagle, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Eagles, Don Henley was the other one I yeah. had. Yeah, Don Henley, probably I feel the most famous for being a drum lead singer. And yeah, so to to me, though, I think the gold standard is Levon Helm from the band. Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like this is a little bit less known, but Phil Collins, and when he played in Genesis, he was yeah. the drummer. That's right. I, I I completely forgot about that. Also, Karen Carpenter. Yep, I didn't have that one. Of the Carpenters. I believe, I'm not as familiar, I, I know this band, but Death From Above, 1979, mm. drummer scenes in that band. I am not super familiar with them. Yeah. Ringo Starr. Yep. And then the last one that I have is also a little bit more somber, but Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. And a lot of those might realize that is the drummer of Foo Fighters. And you might be thinking Dave Grohl was the lead singer of Foo Fighters, and you are correct. But Taylor Hawkins had his own band called Taylor Hawkins and the Coattail Riders, where he set his drum set up in the front of the stage and sang and played drums. I, uh, real quick, I'm glad you and I were able to see him play. Yeah. That that was a highlight of my concert going career you know, career so far was definitely being able to see him play. Right. Yeah. And see him, you were with me for the coattail rider show, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So we saw him play that show, which was awesome. So cool to see him front and center and also seeing him play with the Foo Fighters was obviously a, a special moment that, can't happen anymore so sad and thankful at the same time Mm -hmm. but yeah that i mean those are the only ones (laughs) it's a short list really yeah if if you kind of it's kind of crazy to think you know naming all these guys kind of or you know these musicians the kind of vast musical genre that they've all been a part of it's kind of fun yeah, certainly. Yeah, there, there's certain... I'm sure we're f- not mentioning everyone. No, <laughs> sure I... There's a few that there that we're leaving off the list. So, yeah, if we far got of something, like, hit us up on Instagram. We'll, we'll, be, we'll make sure to mention it next time, or at least uh, we're just mer- music nerds here. So maybe it's a, a band we either forgot about or haven't heard of and would love to refresh or check them out definitely well that's all i've got yeah i've been wanting to talk about this record for a while i'm glad what we have and i think it it's a fun record and certainly one that will be in my rotation for for years to come yeah i uh i really enjoyed this this was kind of out of my element of you know listening and like I say, I kind of took me a couple listen throughs, but you know, I'm really glad I I was able to kind of dive into this record with you, and I'm glad you wanted to uh, record this. Yeah, I mean, really, Whitney is one of our last things we've done together because they opened for the Decemberists when I was out in yeah. Denver last time, and really, like, I enjoyed Whitney, but seeing them live and was really what set me over the top to really become a big fan and follow them closely. And yeah. 
yeah, it's it's been uh, fun to to follow their careers and also have those memories with you, Chris, and seeing them at Red Rocks. Yeah, is uh, something I when you uh, you need to think a happy thought. That's certainly one of them. Yeah, uh, that was that was a fun night. That was my first time at Red Rocks too. Yeah, so awesome. Cool. Well. We will be back with new episodes soon, depending on Stuart's class schedule, but we'll we'll try a work around it so we can get in some new episodes here. He's given he's giving us the thumbs up, so Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well until next time, uh, follow us on Instagram at albumworms and like, subscribe, whatever you want to do to follow us to find out when new episodes are coming out. And until next time, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And we're Album Worms. Worms.